hi. Welcome back for those of you longtime listeners and welcome for the first time to any of you who are new here. I'm Natalie Norton and I am so very happy to have you here with us for this wonderful episode that we have prepared for you today. Now, I want to start out by telling you a little bit um, about my process when I decided to launch this podcast. Um, I really wanted to set up some criteria for myself as it related to really every aspect of of the show. Um, I wanted values in place and parameters about everything that I would do um, and why I was doing it. I wanted a lot of clarity there because I knew that if I was clear that the entire process would be more meaningful for me and it would have a greater impact in the lives of those who listened. Um, There was one area in which I was particularly specific and that was about guest conversations or interviews, the kinds of interviews and the kinds of people I wanted to interview here on the show. And that's not because there aren't zillions of amazing, interesting, and inspiring people out there that we can talk to and we can learn from, because of course there are, Um, but not every one of those wonderful, inspiring people is going to be a fit for the type of show that I was committed to facilitating here. And that's totally okay. But I wanted to get clear about the kinds of guests that I wanted to have. And so I made this entire list of values. And I'm tempted to read it to you here. Um, it was, I called it guest gatekeeper values. <laughs> but the list, um, that list of intentions, that list of parameters is like 100 miles long. So instead, um, let me just tell you what it is that stands out as sort of a central theme here. Um, it was about wanting to bring listeners into conversations with guests um, who I felt really had a connection and a sense of, um, for lack of a better word, a sense of stewardship over whatever area of life that they're showing up in and for. Um, Not simply bringing people to you because they had something marketable or something that was popular, um, but I wanted to bring people to this show who um, had a connection to what they were engaged in that was deep and that was lasting and that was real. I wanted to bring people to you that would do what they do no matter what, um, whether they succeeded or failed because the work that they're engaged in is intrinsic to what they feel to be their life's purpose. Does that make sense? Um, so yeah, it's no big deal. Like that's easy, right? <laughs> Well, let me tell you, after after compiling this list, I then went on to make draft after draft of lists of potential people that I would like to interview and host here on the show. And um, I'm not going to go into all of that because that's a whole other can of worms. Um, but I do want you to know that on every draft of that list and on every iteration of that dream interview list, um, today's guest was at the very top. Um, This guy, he is just one of a kind, just so special. And I know that you will get a sense of that um, during our conversation here today. Um, So with all that said, by way of official introduction, today's guest has been in love with making people laugh since birth. And let me tell you that over the years, he has built an entire arsenal of funny. Stand up, improv, speaking, emceeing, auctioneering. And when he's not busy making people laugh at bars or clubs or schools 
or churches or corporate events, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He is a self-proclaimed amateur husband and father of three. However, I've seen this guy in action and he is such a phenomenal husband and such a phenomenal father. Truly, he's just an expert at showing up and being an amazing human in every aspect of his life. And I am honored by his friendship and I am so honored to introduce all of you to him today. Today's featured guest here on Show Up, my friend, professional actor and comedian, Mr. Clifford Prang. I'm a stay-at-home father. That's actually, that's my day job. I'm a stay-at-home dad. Yeah, good. That's how they feel also. Just one. <laughs> no applause at home either. That's fine. It's because I suck at my job. I do. I suck. There's one criteria for me to have success as a stay-at-home parent, and that's to stay at home. I'm here. <laughs> Getting angry texts from my clients. I'll see you around the office. Dad. <laughs> Pretty sure they're gonna fire me. I think that's what's gonna happen. I've learned a few things, though. When cooking bacon, you always wear a shirt. That's important. <laughs> The only use for sponge cake is as cake. Clean the tub with something else. And if for some reason you erroneously shrink your wife's favorite sweater by erroneously placing it into the dryer, simply say, sorry, sorry. Do not say, well, now you've got something to work towards, don't you? <laughs> yeah, don't say that, don't say that. Don't do that, because women are strong. They are physically strong. They are. Welcome to the Show Up Podcast with me, your host, Natalie Norton. This podcast is all about having the courage to be a really good human and living the kind of life that genuinely fires you up every single day. Are you ready to become your best self and truly show up for your life, come what may? Me too. Let's do this thing. Okay. Hi. Hey. How are you? I'm good, Natalie. How are you? I'm pretending like we haven't spoken for like the last five minutes before <laughs> I started recording. <laughs> I'm absolutely, I believe it. Because this was, this is a more authentic reading than before. That's right. That's right. Um, well, it is good to hear your voice though. It's been a little while. Um, I am so thankful that you're willing to do this because, and this is something that I I don't even know that we've ever had a chance to talk about this. So for those of you listening, Cliff and I have been friends for quite a number of years. Um, his wife so and I are also dear friends. How, what's that? I said so long. So many years. So many a years. A million of them. Um, but I remember we, Cliff and I, Cliff emceed an event that I spoke at. And I went to this little like workshop thing that you did on um, improv. And I don't even, I know it wasn't like an actual improv class, but it was like, what was it? Do you remember? Yeah, it was like a breakout session where I, where I taught improv and then just kind of compared the connections with just all forms of creativity and how we all fit in the yes. grand scheme of things. Yeah, Exactly. Yes, that, that. But here's the, the part about it that I don't know that I've ever communicated to you. So we did the little improv exercise. And what it was is we each kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, we each kind of like fed ourselves in to this scene that you had created. And does that sound right so far? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So like we're at a beach and like everybody's doing different things, right? And but everyone's kind of like meshed into this this scenario, right? Like one person, if I remember right, is like I don't know. I don't know. But everyone is somehow engaged together, not just like in the scene as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I was it's like a big in col- this. It's like a big collage. Yes. Perfect word. See, that's why you're the master. Um, but I remember I was the very last one, like whose turn it was to insert themselves into this like scene. And it was kind of like a freeze frame kind of scene, if I remember right. Anyway, the mm-hmm. point is I was at that point in my life in probably the most tremendous amount of stress that I had ever experienced. And I mean, like crippling stress. And here I am, everyone's like engaged in this scene. They're all together. And for the life of me, I could not get myself to engage in that way. And so I laid down on the floor when it was my turn and pretended like I was reading a book and sunbathing and, and, and not even experiencing or seeing the entire like chaotic situation that was going on around me. Mm-hmm. Does this ring a bell to you at all? Oh, I remember everything clearly. And I'm just, I'm, okay. I'm enjoying listening to you flesh it out and hearing your experience. I'm just really it. glad that you remember because it's a oh, little yeah. bit like easier. <laughs> But anyway, it was just such an interesting experience because like, this is such a, I don't know what the right word would be, but it's not like an earth rattling activity, or at least I guess I didn't expect it to be, Mm -hmm. but it was so amazing for me because that simple act of choosing to participate, but in a way that that actually was true to what was going on for me internally, it was probably one of the most liberating things that I could have had happen in my life at that time. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that was your experience. I'm glad that was your well, experience. Cause we were just trying to do an improv. It. it was just supposed to be like, you know, improv and just showing how, how everyone fits. And, and the game's called picture this. And we create a collage on the floor and everyone does a different piece. Like you said, and you came in as a sunbather or a reader and you contributed, you helped fill out the picture. And even though you didn't feel like it, you did. And it was little and it was nothing to you, but it fit and it made the whole picture complete. And I had no idea you were feeling that way, um, yeah. which says a lot about how you impact the rest of the world, Natalie, because you were feeling overwhelmed <laughs> and awful. But yet that entire conference, you're blowing everyone's mind with your generosity and your wisdom. So um, Cliff, you're you, amazing. Can, you can function in spite of whatever it is you're dealing with. That's for all of us. Wow. You're awesome. Thank you for saying that. It was like, truly though, for me just to realize like, kind of what you said, like you can still contribute and participate and still do it your way. Still do it in a way that is um, fair to you and that takes into account your own needs. And um, anyway, it was just really, really a good, healthy thing for me. And it really blessed me. So thank you, friend. You're amazing. And that's one of the messages of doing improv and I guess pursuing your creativity in any form is that we do fit. You know, I'm 42 now and I've been kind of searching out my entire life. It's like, how do I fit and not believing that I do? And then, you know, at some point you just got to say, yeah, no, I fit this, these weird ideas I have. That's, that's how I'm going to impact the world. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we do, you do. And everyone you know who's interesting. Does, that's right. All of us. No one is mm-hmm. exempt. Um, you know what's interesting about about that is um, I was just actually reviewing your wonderful TED Talk um, again, and it really is just so phenomenal. First, as your friend, let me just like 
take you by the shoulders. <laughs> express that because it's honestly just so impactful. And I, I just kept having such major friend pride as, um, as I watched it. Thank you. But one of the things, oh my gosh, you're more than welcome a thousand times over. One of the things that you, that you shared there and actually wrote down this quote because I just found it so profoundly powerful. You said, you've got to know why you're doing it. If your purpose is bigger than your pain, you can follow through. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter who you are. You can have an impact on the people around you. We exist to make the world around us better. We exist for impact. Okay, this is a long quote. I'm almost done though. I promise. <laughs> this isn't just like the Natalie show. Well, it actually is the Natalie show. <laughs> it's still your show. But today is the today is the cliff show. Yeah. We exist for impact. We're all gonna experience pain. We're all gonna fail. We're all going to be rejected, whether in sports, relationships, creativity, career, in every aspect of our lives, we're going to experience pain. But I believe instead of shrinking back, allowing fear to cripple us, hiding, stopping, retreating, we need to engage wholeheartedly, sincerely. And then this is the part that I just find so powerful for the sake of others. I want you to talk to us about that for a second. Oh, man. Uh, well, Thank That's you for lot. including the proper grammar and all of that. Uh, the fact that you that you uh, cited all the gunners <laughs> means a lot to me. <laughs> it makes me sound more intellectual than I am because uh, you definitely <laughs> dumbed it down for all of us uh, in the way that I intended it to be. Um, and of course, I can take credit for the idea of purpose, you know, being bigger than pain, because that's an idea that's been shared many, many times. But the idea of putting the needs of others before our own is really the for me the way I get out of. Um, get out of my own head because um, I'm always worried about, you know, I, I can often be worried about what I have to lose and failure. And that's, and that's the, the essence of the whole Ted talk is the idea that we're, we're worried about losing. Um, but we need to focus on what we have to give um, because when we're focusing on what we have to give, then we're thinking about, uh, about others essentially and serving others. And that's, that's, uh, that's something that helps me uh, show up. Um, your podcast is called Show Up. There's there's Ooh, a lot of times that so I don't, fancy. Well done. I don't feel like showing up. You know, people are like, what do you? How or do you always feel funny? It's like, no, I go to a lot of gigs, and I'm like, I would rather be at home with my kids right now. I'd rather be in my bed. I would rather, you know, uh, be sitting by yeah. a fire with a beer in my hand. But um, it's it's about showing up for the sake of others. I actually I had a, a just yeah. an improv show I did recently. And uh, it was at a church, and I had someone from a church really rip me apart shortly there beforehand for just a lot of misinterpretations and whatever else. It was just, it was a very unpleasant experience. And then the next day, I had to go to a church and do comedy, which is, you know, those two aren't always synonymous with each other. And I didn't want to yeah. go. But because I was doing an improv show with my brother-in-law, even just having one other person to do it for... Um, made the world a difference. And then it ended up being an amazing show and the people were lovely and everything else like that. But just to know that is like, you know what? My brother-in-law needs to get paid uh, <laughs> and we can have fun yeah. together. And uh, yeah, about putting the needs of, of others before your own I think is a big piece of uh, survival. You know, it's there are so many things that we could pull from that. First of all, I think that it's important to like just state that I'm very surprised that anybody from any church would have any problem because... I feel like that's one thing you've done so well through your comedy in general has been making it so accessible and inclusive to all audiences. Um, and I think a part of that has just been having the diligence to um, 
have some framework for yourself. And not to say that other comedians are doing it wrong, like by having more profanity or, you know, talking about things that are maybe a little bit more quote unquote off color or whatever. Um, but you've made a specific stand to do things a little bit differently. And I'm just very surprised that you had that conflict in <laughs> that you know, situation every, because everyone, you're so good about all those things. It's always a matter of interpretation, but, right? So what's, what's uh, yeah. what someone might describe as elegant and clean and a clever take on parenting, et cetera. Uh, someone else might describe as jaw droppingly vulgar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or just, just flat out offensive, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, no, we've dealt with but that. I mean, fine. gosh, what a lesson for life though. Right. Because it's yeah. all about interpretation. It's all about inter- and expectations um, too. You show up somewhere expecting someone to, to sing a gospel song and they uh, talk about, uh, you know, childbirth, then uh, maybe it's not what you expect. And if you're really old and your hearing isn't super good, um, then maybe you shouldn't go to a comedy show. I don't know. Maybe just don't go to a comedy show. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe that's like not the best, not the best venue for you to receive yeah. your entertainment. I love that. But um, along outside of that, I mean, there's just so many things from that story. And the one, the thread that I want to pull for a minute is the idea that, yeah, you needed to show up to fulfill your obligation to the audience, but it was also about showing up to and for your brother-in-law. And um, I, I I think that idea of, I don't want to say mentorship, but maybe accountability or having um, having the capacity to realize that, first of all, our impact or our presence does truly serve as leverage or a platform upon which others are able to grow. Mm-hmm. But simultaneously, look at what your brother-in-law and that partnership did for you. Oh, yeah. You were able to push through something that could have been crippling mm-hmm. and show up anyway. Absolutely. Well, and it's like parenting too, right? It's like how many days are you like, uh, I don't know yeah. if I, but it's like, if I don't get up, then this kid doesn't eat. <laughs> so Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then you find your own self of your your own sense of self through the service of others. Absolutely. Because you're like, hey, look what I did. And, and, and I helped and and I belong and yeah. I have purpose. And yeah. Exactly. And keep going. Exactly. I love that. My, I just uh, love that so, so, so much. My line is uh, you know, the whole idea of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, you know, some have said, uh, like pain plus time equals comedy. So what doesn't kill you makes you funnier. <laughs> uh, my, my line is what doesn't kill you doesn't kill you. <laughs> like that's it. It's like you're still alive. So, so do something with that moment. <sighs> oh my gosh. That's so good. I just need it crocheted on a pillow. I think. I think we could do that. <laughs> what doesn't kill you doesn't kill you. Yeah. Clifford brain. There you go. So good. Um, okay, so I want to go back for a minute here um, sure. because some of our listeners are younger, surprisingly. I mean, mostly it right. is not younger people, but a lot of people listen with their moms and dads. And one of the things you and I have talked about in the past is what it was like for you feeling a little bit out of sorts as you were growing up. Could you talk to that like reality for a minute? Well, there's this phase of life called puberty and your body <laughs> goes through a lot of changes and so did your mind at the same time. But, you know, I, I was a kid, um, and I didn't know, again, I mentioned this right, I didn't know where I fit. Um, my parents uh, got separated and divorced uh, during a very key kind of shaping time of my life that left me just a little bit uncertain about a lot of things, uh, namely whether or not I was good enough, whether or not anybody loved me or liked me, or I sat in the basement uh, in high school to eat my lunch because I wanted to avoid 
people, rejection, uh, bullying, all those things. And so I sat in the basement for years, eating years, I should say months, eating my lunch with a few other kids. And it was kind of in that place of not belonging and fear that something happened. Uh, there was an announcement on the, uh, you know, the school announcements that said uh, improv club. And the drum room happened to be in the basement of the school. So for, you know, five, seven steps, I could be in the drum room. So I went to the drum room and in that place, there was all these kids who individually might seem like they don't belong. Um, but together, we just like you experienced, we're able to create and make some pretty interesting and funny things happen on the spur of the moment. And, you know, from a club became a team and from a team became competitions and from competitions, you know, became, you know, a, a top level team in our city over the years. And, you know, camaraderie, friendship, confidence, leadership. And uh, I went from not knowing where I fit to discovering gifts and not having a sense of being loved or appreciated or, or being a friend, having some really key friends in my life that we walked with each other through all the difficulties of high school and ended up being leaders in our school and making a difference. So um, that was like five years summed up into, you know, two minutes. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what happened there. I love that um, specifically because, you know, you talked about gaining confidence through contribution um, not just through like being a certain way or, or suddenly changing into this version of what might quote unquote typically be seen as cool or worthy, right? But you contributed as you were and are. Right. I mean, is that no? That's absolutely. Would you agree it. with that? Well, and I think I think all of us will gain confidence as we realize the impact that we're having on the people around us, especially when it's positive. Like uh, so many people use their voice and their time and their platform to really tear people down um, for their own sense of worth. But when you, again, going back to that service piece, when you contribute for the sake of making the world around you better, then absolutely you can gain a whole bunch of confidence. Even if you just, if you give out of yourself for the sake of yourself, you realize when you do realize that you're having a positive impact, then that, that fuels your motivation and, and the why of why you're doing what you're doing. So, so good. My gosh. Um, in the TED Talk, you said something along the lines of fear being um, being selfish. And I would love for you to expand on that here because it, it seems to fit so perfectly with the fear that you felt as a teenager and being like, dude, I don't fit anywhere. I'm going to eat lunch in the basement with you know all these other misfits, quote unquote. And um, overcoming that fear, how, I mean, how is that fear selfish and how is the overcoming of it selfless. Yeah, well fear of course in itself is not self. We all feel fear, but it's it's the when we let it stop us, when we let it cripple us, when we allow it to manifest and stop us from doing what we feel compelled to do or what we're called to do. Um that's when it becomes selfish because the world around us doesn't get to experience what we have to offer. And then we uh we lose too because we don't get to experience the benefit of having that positive impact on the people around us. So like where I say, yeah, um, fear is selfish, but the idea of, of serving, it's fearless. Because when we put ourselves out there, um, 
then that's that's in spite of our fear because we're all going to feel fear. We all want to stop, but when we do it anyway, when we face it, we embrace it, and we act in spite of that fear, um, that is present. Then then that's when we can really have a positive impact. And it still hurts. Like it's it's not saying it won't hurt. It's not saying it won't be difficult. It's not saying that we won't get criticized or um, have a negative review when we put ourselves out there when we're on stage in front of everyone naked. Uh, uh, when someone then turns around and says, "Oh, we don't like what you did," it's like, "Well, well, uh, it's too bad because uh, there's nothing I can do to take that back now." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you got You got to go for it. You got to go for it in spite of the risks. Yeah, yeah. The, I, the alternative I really is, love is nothingness. That. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And it's not just nothingness in terms of ourselves, but it's nothingness in terms of our ability to bless. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, in that same quote that I'm referencing about you talking about fear being selfish, um, you talk about self-preservation mm-hmm. and how fear. You know, fear is really about us and not wanting to expose ourselves. But in holding that back, we're also holding back the gift that we are to others. And that's what, I mean, I feel like this is exactly what you're saying. And I guess I'm just reiterating to all those kids out there that are listening, like the way that you are and the things that are within you, I believe to be divinely implanted and turn that terminology, whichever way you need to, to have it fit within your own structure. But, um, I think this is one place, actually, I don't think I know that this is one place that you and I, Cliff, really um, align is in that that belief that that these things that stir within us are there so that we can bless and do and have an impact. Um, and so when we are afraid of those very things, of, it, of putting them out in the world, um, in essence, we're afraid of our divinity or we're afraid of that light. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. And that is a, it, well, it, is, it is. Yeah, you said, just want to make sure you know that's good. <laughs> I'm just basically like reiterating what you teach me. No, but you're like adding divinity into it. And that's a, and that's important things. Like where do these, where do these ideas come from and where does this passion to impact come from? And I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm a, I believe I'm a created being. And so then I also have a responsibility to do with what's given to me. Um, it's called stewardship, right? That basic idea that it's like, am I, yeah. am I living out Am I using what's been given to me? And uh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's key. It helps me sleep at night. Yes. Yeah. Me too. That and melatonin. But <laughs> yes, that, that also. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. Or the noise Cliff, machine. You're amazing. <laughs> or those little, That's right. those oh, little for sure. goggles. Not goggles. What's that? The mask? The little mask? I don't, ha- I don't have <laughs> a mask. sleep mask. Yeah, the goggles. Yeah, a little... yeah, here in Hawaii, we sleep in goggles in case you guys didn't know. <laughs> yeah, because there's a flood, right? <laughs> A lacy, a lacy. <laughs> it actually is like really mask. good for apnea. Like, yeah, the full the full sleep mask. It's like an apnea prevention. Oh, I thought thing, you said I think. acne. Actually, I, I think like, it would suffocate okay. you. I honestly thought you said no, acne. No, 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 not acne. Okay. Well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe like f- fill it with proactive or something. For sure. But here's the thing, guys: don't sleep in a in a, a snorkel mask because you will, in fact, suffocate. Oh, yeah. Let's not ever don't do that. like. <laughs> don't do that. Not the good plan. Or don't um, sleep in the water. Cliff. Don't sleep in water because then you'll. Oh yeah! Oh yeah. Go- yes. I'd probably drown. Yes. I hate it when people say that having a wife and children is like serving a prison sentence. I hate that. It's mean. Like Cliff, you got kids, man. You're trapped. You're married, dude. You're in jail. I'm like, no. I'm pretty sure in prison you get recreational time and conjugal visits. <laughs> 
That's not what we're doing. <laughs> okay, Cliff, um, I this is something that I brought up to you when I very first reached out to you about doing an interview. Okay. And the honest to goodness truth is that it's because it's something that I have always... Um, I've always felt that I have a deficit as it relates to being funny and or seeing the connections. Like when I'm around people like you, I genuinely think you're genius because, I mean, you are genius, but I also, it, the idea that people can make the kinds of connections that you do, it blows my mind because it's not something that comes naturally for me. Um, in fact, when I was in college, and I don't remember if I've ever mentioned this to you or not, it's kind so. of embarrassing. <laughs> I'm excited for what's coming When next. I was in college, oh yeah, you should be actually. When I was in college, I lived with um, all these girls who were really just funny. Like they just were so good at sarcasm and quick wit and making those connections that I just wasn't good at in the ways that they were. And I hated it because I felt like I was always like on the outside of this of this thing. Not that they were mean to me or not that like, I, they would have never classified me as being on the outside. I just felt I was more of an observer in this hilarity that went on in our home rather than a participant. And I would legitimately pray at night on my knees, like, dear God, please help me be funny. Oh like that was like my actual prayer oh my. because I just... I know, I know. It's so ridiculous. And, it. you know, I know I have other gifts and talents and whatever. But my question for you is, is humor, is being funny something that can be learned or taught? Well, first of all, I want you to know that I also say that same prayer every, <laughs> every time I go on stage. I say that same prayer. Dear Lord, please help me be funny. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? There's there's two answers to that. Uh, the first answer is yes, and the second answer is no. <laughs> there's uh, yeah, you can you can oh. you can teach them. Oh, yeah. So there's the two, and that's it. I'll just stop there. No, I, I I believe. Yeah, friends, this is Cliff. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> there's some naturally uh, talented, naturally funny people that just you know the way they carry themselves, the way they say things, like it's just it's it's just it exudes out of them. Um, but even those people, in order to become like you know refined in a way, or to be able to present themselves or continually generate new content, need to learn how to write, need to learn how to structure, and all that kind of stuff. But there's so there's very few people that are just free form all the time. Um, there's there's a structure, there's a rhythm, and those things I believe can be taught. And like you said, so much of it is association. Like one of the things I like doing is working with people to help them find the funny in their mundane stuff. And that's and that's like any comedy writer. You'll like someone that can go off about microwaves. There's a guy named Ivan Decker who's one of my favorite comedians. He's local from Canada, uh, from Vancouver area, now in LA. Um, he he finds the funniest things in the very mundane things there's associations that can be made that uh, that are hilarious because comedy is oftentimes just the, the joining, the combining of two opposing ideas. And yeah, that can be taught just by free associating. Like when I think of macaroni, I think of Italians. That's not funny, but that's how you start. It's like, you know, you start somewhere. It's like, I think of blanket. I think of, you're going to just delete the section out of the podcast. <laughs> No, this is good. This is no, good. Keep to. going. I'm like waiting to see well, where you're going to go. Give me two. Uh, give me two opposing ideas. Just give me two things that are complete, like okay. uh, just nouns. Give me two nouns. Oh man, I'm a writer. I should know just person, look, just, place, yeah, just or look around, thing. Just okay. look around your room and, and find two objects that are not potted plant. Potted plant and the ocean. 
Okay. When I think of pot of plant, I think of soil. When I think of soil, I think of sand. When I think of sand, I think of the ocean. Okay. That was too quick. That was too easy. But uh, so give me two more. But you can make that association. Okay. Um, Further, further away from each other. Okay. 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 Are you ready? Yeah. And these are legitimately, this is a thing that's in my room. Okay. Um, My 62XL HP inkjet printer cartridges because my friend i have been in so much trouble because i bought the wrong kind three times now and this is in fact the correct kind okay that's number one number two is um oh i was gonna say something that might not be appropriate um let's do (laughs) the produce aisle at the grocery store Okay, perfect. Okay, so when I when I think of purchasing the wrong ink, I think of embarrassment. When I think of embarrassment, I think of tears. When I think of tears, I think of crying. When I think of crying, I think of Kleenex. When I think of Kleenex, I think of the you know of paper. When I think of paper, I think of trees. When I think of trees, I think of plants. When I think of plants, I think of vegetables. When I think of vegetables, I think of the produce aisle. So again, not very funny, but you you start associating and you putting you just find the ideas and how they connect with each other. And then like, that's a practice to continually just like, when I think of, I think of, you know, this is, belongs yes. with that, you know, so. So it's like an exercise that's not even necessarily about being funny. It's right. about learning to make those connections. And well, here's the other thing. It's like, if you're trying to be funny, it's not always going to be funny. Um, so the key is just, you know, you develop those foundational skills, the association. It's like what makes a character work, embodiment, you know, so you do those things, those basic skills, and then, hey, that's then all of a sudden comedy kind of comes out of that. Just like a basketball player, you know, you take your, you do your practice shots, you do your drills, and they're not ex- exciting. They're not uh, show-stopping. They don't bring people to the stadium. But when you develop all those skills and you become excellent at them and then you run free with those in your tool belt, then it becomes very exciting. You know? That's you have, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm obsessed with you this. You're amazing. Well, um, we, can, we, can, I, we, can, we can workshop. I'll be your, okay, I can we'll be workshop, your comic. Yes. We'll find we'll That's find actually a really good idea. Skype sessions. Yes. Comedy uh-huh. Skype with Cliff. Yes, I'm I'd like to it. do that. Yeah. Um, the idea of association, just in terms of like life, I love. Um, well, actually, let's not let's not go there. Let's first go back to what you were talking about about the drills. That's what that idea. That's what makes me um, really come alive, because one of the things that we talk about so much on this show is how important it is to develop systems and to um, build habits around things that we want to increase, right? And so like in terms of thinking, like it's not just about one day being like, I'm not going to think negative judgmental thoughts anymore. It's about having (laughs) a structure in place, right? Where every day when you think those negative thoughts, you've got a plan and you start exercising that plan and putting it into place. Like maybe every time you catch yourself, you... I don't know, say four things you're grateful for, or you, um, what, it doesn't really matter, but you've got, an, um, you've got a plan in place and a structure that you can start to follow until little by little you've retrained the way that your brain responds in situations. Yes. And so what you're telling me is I can apply that exact same thing and finally, finally answer my own prayer and learn to yes. be funny. For sure, for sure. Or to find, to find comedy in, in your you know, in the mundane things. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I believe it. Okay. And that changes your life a little bit, I think. 
Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's a crazy because things are happening all around you all the time. And oftentimes, you know, we're having my wife and I, Shirley, who you mentioned before. Who uh, who's I adore, a big, guys. She's amazing. Yeah. And she's a big fan of you. And you guys have actually worked together. You've taken photos together, which is an yeah. incredible thing. I think she is a in- remarkable photographer. And a great dancer. Um, I was going to say kiss her. <laughs> I was going to say kiss her, but I didn't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. Um, so I didn't say that. Um, but uh, she would, she often we're in conversation, and then she's like, "Where did you come? From? Like, where did this come from?" You know, I'll just like say something, and she's like, "We were not talking about that." But what's happened in my mind in the moments, you know, I've jumped ahead, I've made several associations, and then I have to trace it back for her. It's like, "Well, you said this, and then I was thinking about this, and then I thought about this, and then I here's what I'm talking about this now." This is where she's we like, are. This is where we are. And that helps her just to know it's like, what's yeah. wrong with my husband? <laughs> so that she, no, I, I that she legitimately knows. believe you might have just now like put a major piece into the puzzle of my marriage because I think <laughs> well, Richie's yeah, Rich, brain. Rich is a fast, he's a fast thinker. He's always <laughs> thinking of the next idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and when he we were writing laugh, the power. He's laughing like a crazy man all the time. I was like, what's he laughing about? <laughs> oh, I know. He's like well, maniacally laughing. Oh, now we know. Exactly. I feel like it's now terrifying. that I have that understanding, I have this whole newfound respect and like this added patience that just like is kind of amazing. Um, when we were writing The Power of Starting Something. What? Yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh, I was listening. I listened. Thank yeah. you. I'm so, I'm so happy. Um, when we were writing The Power of Starting Something Stupid, I, we always joke that Richie came to me with like this mind map of a book where mm-hmm. everything everything plugged in in his mind like there's this central idea then all these other ancillary things all around but for anybody else's mind trying to look at it it would just be madness and chaos yeah, and yeah. so then when i came in was that was in the the act of deciphering it and helping it be a little bit more linear absolutely and it's amazing because actually even in just this conversation i'm realizing that that linear thinking is perhaps what makes association hard for me mm. because I tend to be so good and at I'm so good at the the linear type communication um because that's I mean that's really a talent of mine that's what makes me a good writer that's what that's what makes me a good teacher and what makes Richie a good teacher and you a good comedian and a good teacher is the ability to have a little bit less structure. Hmm. And I don't know. There's, there's. It's interesting to me because both are so powerful. But here's and, a very important. Here's a very important thing that goes along with that last exercise that we did is that if you know where you're starting and where you're ending up, then you have freedom to go off the line. Uh, so yeah. and that's and that's where you know and that's where I find myself where it's like um, to you know to put a show together if I'm you know strategizing a, an hour long you know, stand-up show that I'm doing for a client or for myself or whatever else. It's like, I know where I want to go. I know where I need to be. I have way and I have ways to get back there. Uh, so then if something happens in the audience or something happens in my head, then I can play and I can be yeah. free, but then I know how to get back. So, and it's, you know, it's with, I think it's with writing too, you know, you've got your, you've got your chapter outlines, but then you can go and then come back. You know, so yeah. a photographer even is like, I know what shots I need to get, 
And, but then it's just like the light is telling me something else. So I'm going to go chase that light for a while. I'm going to chase, you know, this combination of colors or whatever it is. But then it's like, yeah, we'll put the, we'll put the family together. (laughs) We'll make sure that we get it all together. We'll make sure we get that picture. And the grandkids. Sure. Let's do that. And then, but maybe they both combine with each other, you know, and that's the, that's the amazing thing, you know, so, so chase your your inspiration and then. And then, but then don't forget about the key points that you need to hit. Yes. Like whether, I mean, and I just am thinking in terms of life and mm-hmm. um, goals. And one of the things that's really hard for Richie and I is because we we do tend to be so spontaneous and we do have this desire. And I know you and Cheryl Lee have some similarities in this too, this desire to live life fully and to be fully present and available for what happens um, and to be able to have the flexibility to make the decisions that... Um, that life offers you in those moments rather than being really confined. And um, that doesn't necessarily mean though that we're just like flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah. And still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. We've got bills to pay and yeah. mouths to feed and college tuitions to start thinking about. And I, um, I realize in a lot of this work that I do with my clients and um, on this podcast and the different, the different endeavors of my life, the values and that end in mind goal, and then the values mm-hmm. that guide as stepping stones, you're right. They totally do provide the space and the opportunity to veer off course because mm-hmm. the course is identified. If the course wasn't identified and you veered off course, you're for sure going to get lost. But you've got all these mile markers to return to. And um, gosh, that's, I mean, that's really beautiful. We should we should write an essay on that. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible idea. I actually I mean, kind I of love agree. your idea. I just when you said the word essay, I just I just PTSD. <laughs> I just, <laughs> now I just said a graphic novel. It's like that sounds more exciting. <laughs> as long as you illustrate it. Oh Gothic yeah, novel, that right? would that would be that would be very that would be good. We can we'll, have Richie we'll, illustrate it. Yeah, or yeah, for sure. Is he? He's. he's don't tell me he's also a cartoonist. Does he? Oh, he's the weirdest kind of cartoonist. Like he's okay. like if Tim Burton and like a, some kind of stick figure artist came together, then yeah. that would be Richie's art. That sounds pretty compelling. Yeah, I feel like it could potentially be. There's like 15 other career options in the in the backseat of our lives. And that could be one of them for Richie, I think. Um, <laughs> so you, when you were talking about um, finding those associations, it makes me think of, and I'm making an association in the very act of asking this question. I would like to point that out. Um, thank you. A lot of times people when they're having struggles in their life, like we all have pain. You know, we talked about that earlier from your amazing quote from the TED Talk. We're all going to suffer. We're all going, gonna, we're all gonna experience pain. We're Thank all you. gonna suffer, right? Yeah. And a lot of times what I find is people feel guilt or they feel um, like somehow they're not allowed to experience joy and lightheartedness in the wake of trauma. Or maybe it's not even trauma. Maybe it's just the weight of the world because everything's bananas right now. We've, you know, there's just so much going on. And what, what do you think of that? Like, where is the space for humor and lightheartedness? Does it mean that we're veering away from the levity of these hard things or that we're somehow neglecting them? What are your What are no. your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think you have to. If you don't, if you don't laugh 
it's it's really hard to live and survive those those things. I, I like the word irreverence. Um, mm-hmm. I love the word irreverence. Um, it, it's got so many negative connotations, but um, like I have jokes about divorce because my parents are divorced and that's difficult. Um, I have jokes about divorce within the context of my own 19 year old, 19 marriage, 19 year long marriage, uh, because it's like, those are scary. That's a scary idea. You know, the idea of having your parents not survive marriage is a very difficult thing to process as a child and being in a, in, as a human that has experienced that, the idea of doing that to my own kids and experiencing the pain that I know my parents felt like those are, those are terrifying thoughts. So I make jokes about them because it dismantles the fear. Um, so when I think of irreverence, I think of fear, I think of weight, I think of seriousness. Um, and I think that throwing levity on that is such an important thing to do. Um, yeah, I'm mocking it. I'm laughing in its face because I wanted to say to divorce that it has no power over me. Um, and, and death is a, is a, is a dangerous one to mess around with because of course of what it triggers and how hard it is, but I'm getting a little braver, uh, you know, as I, I kind of head into this phase of my career and my life and my voice. It's like, this is something that I also, you know, I'm, I think of all the very difficult things I think of, I, you know, as you've experienced, I think of the idea of losing my own kids and, and I've come close to losing my own kids, you know, in the ocean. I think you heard that story on the special possibly. Um, and it's like, I'm, I've made a joke about it because it's how I cope with the difficult idea of losing my kids. It's like death. I don't want death to have any weight or power over me. You know, my mom had a heart attack a couple years ago and I have what I think is a really good joke about (laughs) my mom's heart attack, you know, and my mom doesn't love it, but she, she hasn't told me I can't say it (laughs) just because it was a very traumatic time in my life. Uh, you know, can I tell you the joke? So, yeah. Like, I was going to ask, but then I was like, maybe I shouldn't ask. Like, I don't, maybe this, I don't know. I just didn't know. So, thank you for opening no, it's us very, to it's the reverend. It's irreverent. It's going to, it's going to upset, it's going to upset people. But Do I need to say action? Yeah, action. No, I just, uh, my, mom, my mom had a heart attack a couple of years ago and it's terrible because uh, I wasn't planning on visiting her this year. So, but you see what I did? I added context of time on it, and then I messed up the time context. And that's why comedians <laughs> need to know not to say the other day or the other year, because the moment you say that, then all of a sudden people are paying attention to your timelines, and then it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Now I know it's oh pretty dark, gosh. right? And not very good. Yeah, but, but it also it's, is. It's it relatable because it's you know the difficulty of like, oh, do I visit my parents? It's like I don't have the money yeah. to travel. It's like, oh, and then yeah. I have to stay in their house, and that's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. So yeah. So. Well, and it it works and it's safe because um, I hate to say this, and you know we're we're definitely like you said tiptoeing into some territory that can be challenging and talk about the opportunity to be misinterpreted or misunderstood. Totally. But um, I think that jokes of that nature are safer when you're talking about someone who's older because we all have it in our heads that that's an expectation. Like this is a normal right. thing that could happen. Um, and is it will happen at, at some point? We will all lose our parents, um, right. and I think that there's there's safety there. But you know, when we're talking about other things, then it, then it's different. Like if we're talking about the death of a child, 
clearly that is going to be a different conversation because oh, people sure. yeah. have you, a different and, kind of emotion connected to it. And you can it. joke about the fear of versus the yeah. experience of. And it's exactly. a different thing. And, you got, and that's why that's why selection is very important too. It's like some people will criticize me for being, for censoring myself in some situations, right? I would never do my heart mm-hmm. attack joke in a church. Why? Because empathy and comedy don't mix very well. Right. Yeah. So the moment you say self-deprecating things like too extreme, then people have a hard time receiving them. Right. If yeah. you're if you're too negative towards your own children or parenting, then people can't receive it because there's too much empathy, you know, because mm. that's what the expectation is in a church. But if you're in a club, well then empathy, people know to leave their empathy at the door. Cause when we walk mm-hmm. through here and sit down, this is a non-empathetic environment. And so then when you are yeah. relatively positive and clean, then it's just like, wow, it's so refreshing, but yet still pushing edges that would not be as easily received in like a corporate or a church setting. So it's like knowing where you are and knowing who the people are in front of you uh, makes a huge difference to, uh, to succeeding uh, on the levels that, that I'm uh, trying to succeed. Context is key. Context Context is key. Context is king, right? Well, that's it. Um, And that's why this is where the service piece comes in too, right? Because it's like, I'm there to bring levity to my audience. I don't want to burden them, right? If, If they're expecting a nice, light, happy time, you know, then you, you give them what you think you should be giving them in that moment. So, and again, a lot of comedians, like they're artists, and there's like, I'm doing the same jokes here that I do there and blah, blah, blah. And that's why there's only a couple places where they can perform because they don't adjust for the sake of the people that they're performing for. And that's and that's your choice as an artist. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's different. It's a different level. Um, they're trying to accomplish different goals, you know. So for me, yeah. I want to be able to make everyone and anyone anywhere laugh and have a good time. And so with that means that, yeah, some adjustments. And also I probably need to learn uh, several other languages, which I'm always away from doing that. <laughs> Google Translate. My, my Spanish joke routine is a little weak right now. So. <laughs> I love it. Um, the There was an idea that, oh, this is what I was going to ask you. Sorry, your, your joke threw me off, off my own, my own interview game. Um, so what would you say is the line as it relates to using comedy in a way that's healthy to help us um, kind of balance out darkness and fear and pain in a way that allows us to, to be in a healthier environment? Um, and the other side of that, which could be going so far that you're actually avoiding things that you need to look at. Because I know a lot of people, I've seen this in my um, in my coaching and just in seminars and things, there are a lot of people use humor as a way to deflect or as a way to avoid feeling what really needs to be looked at and felt. Well, I, I don't think you can truly find the levity in situation unless you're willing to go all the way in. So mm-hmm. um, like if you're, if you're avoiding, you, the jokes aren't even as good. You've got to go all the way in to feel the depth of the pain to be able to find the good stuff to make the joke work anyway. I love that. I love that. Cliff, um, that's not the answer that I expected. I didn't have an expectation, but that that's really profound. 
Wow. You know what's so great about talking to you uh, is that you're making comedy and me sound smart. And uh, if you could <laughs> if you could call my dad and just let him know that what I'm doing Text is really Text his number over. I'm, I'm that on would, it. That would mean a lot. He's so disappointed. <laughs> no, he's, it's good. My parents are supportive. I love it. Yeah, but no, you actually, are, though. Cliff, you are brilliant. <laughs> You're generous. I appreciate that. Um, but I am I just, generous, and you are brilliant. Both are uh, true. Awesome. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I just, uh, we, I was performing at 1230 on Friday, uh, like in the daytime, just afternoon, which is a terrible time for a comedy show. Um, and it was at an English, like in an English class. So it was the University of the Fraser Valley. They have an English rhetoric class, and they invited me and a couple other comedians to do sets. And then we did a panel and talked about it. And the way the teacher described comedy and rhetoric and what the you know the powerful use of the language is in comedy, I was just like, wow, I never thought I would ever be described in this high intellectual factor because <laughs> I love the word poop. And so I can't imagine that those two would ever go together. So, um, but, uh, it was, it was, quite the, it was quite the compliment. I took it. I took it. And I also, I, you know I did. The thing I asked about him that to that write I, my dad too. Exactly. So you're going to have, you're going to have compiled this entire, like you could, you know, you could make a chat book out of all these things. Just have everybody oh. send you like a little text, like, Hey, Cliff's dad. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's what you give for him for sure. Father's Day. And you know how I bristled earlier at the idea of writing an essay? Um, oh. I'm slowly I'm slowly being convinced that You're essay warming. writing is the way to go. I'm warming up to it. Yeah. I'll host a, sympo- a symposium on the high <laughs> intellect of, of, uh, of, child, child of comedy and Cliff. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll sit on, on a Q&A panel. Perfect. Um, it's so amazing to me. Because, you know, I'm sitting here telling you how smart you are. And this, you go to this thing and you you speak in this on this rhetoric class or whatever. And, you know, you're realizing, oh, my gosh, like, there's actually a pattern and a structure to these things. And there's a system behind it and how amazing and, you know, it sounds so smart. It's amazing to me that those things are so intuitive to you that they don't need to be learned. And they don't need mm. to be taught with that kind of language. And so then suddenly you're in an environment where someone's putting new phrases and terminology and structure around something that for you is just instinctual. And so, of course, it sounds really smart when you put it that way. And it's still the exact same thing you've always instinctually been able to do. Mm. Um, and that's how I think we can tell when we're in our gift territory rather than just like a learned behavior or a talent. But when we're in that area that really comes alive, because so much of it is just so dang intuitive. Hmm. And that's where you, my friend, just cool. shine. Thanks for that. Thanks for that compliment. And then, but it's also an affirmation that those things, you know, again, with the articulated words and skills and techniques, um, you can uh, embrace and envelop some of those, uh, those ideas and make them your own and start applying yes. them to your own writings and speaking and, you know, even parenting to see the mm. humor. Well, you know, to see the humor in whatever is going on, like in the, in the, in the mess in the bathroom or the, <laughs> the inability to put your dirty underwear in a laundry basket or even change your dirty underwear. Like just the, the, the repetition <laughs> that we, we've been telling our son to put on clean underwear for years and he still doesn't. And he's still surprised when we ask him, oh, like now? Yeah, you just had a shower. 
you just woke up, you know, or to move his chair in front of his bowl or his bowl in front of where he's sitting, you know, because he's spilling on the floor. Hey, bud, why don't you sit behind your bowl? And he's like, oh, it's like it's never been heard before. And you're like, you know what? Maybe this isn't our child. Maybe uh, we should sell him to the people we bought him from. So, <laughs> well, I yeah. think that the, the really relevant piece here that we're missing is making sure people understand that this that this son is, in fact, 26. So. <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> No, look at that. No. You made me laugh. Look how funny you are. I know. Look, my prayers are finally being answered. You did it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. God is real. Yeah. Now we know. Yeah. Um, so in closing here, the show up situation, we're going back to it because um, I'm such a good interviewer that I'm now looping back. Um, you, you know, can, here I am doing you this. You can fix this in post. You can fix it in post. That's right. Well, actually, yeah. no, I don't do it. I'm, I'm not in charge of post. You kidding me? We just get what we get from the producer. So it goes okay. out of my hands and I'm like, done. See you later. Perfect. I'm not learning more. I'm not learning more than I have to. Like, let's Perfect. get really clear on that. Bare that, minimum. And that's, and that's why you're super smart, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yeah. exactly. Got to free myself up to do the things that that really only I can do. Yeah. Um, so I'm here doing this thing that I don't know what I'm doing. Even the podcasting part that, yeah, I'm good at speaking in front of audiences, but this is different and this is hard and this is scary. Um, oh, you're doing great. That, at, here's, can I can I give you like a, a, a constructive criticism that the producer can delete too? If, yes, please. Um, d- don't apologize yeah. for what you're doing. Um, yeah. you know, in terms of like, you know, I, I loved, I loved your uh, pillow setup in your hotel room in the, in the <laughs> corner and that should have been your celebration. It should have just been, yeah. I made this pillow fort in my hotel room. And I'm room. doing and it. You're like, and you're like, sorry guys, it's a little bit weird. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, no, Hey, sorry that I'm so much awesomer than you that didn't think of making a pillow fort for your podcast. That's, you know, that's the only apology the, you needed. That was wicked. That was awesome. I'm under I a blanket love- right now in my garage. So... <laughs> But I'm and the car is running. Car. Turn the car off, Cliff. Turn the car off. I'm getting um, so sleepy. <laughs> I, I, I run this, um, this thing over and over in, in my head, the, trying to find the balance between wanting so badly for people to see the mess of it all mm. um, because I want them to feel permission in their own mess. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but you're right. That can be done without the apology. Right. Yeah. And that's, but it's, that's and it's, really, and I do love, I love the authenticity and that's even part of like that self-deprecating humor. Like that's yeah. the, yeah. that's yeah. the joke is like, is highlighting, Hey, this yeah. is how I'm failing and I'm celebrating it in front of you. Gives you permission. You can be free to laugh at me. Yeah. Um, and then, and then celebrate. feel a little bit more comfortable to be brave in totally. your life. Cause this is a, like, Richie's that. the power of starting something stupid was so generous mm-hmm. to allow me to do a workshop and a talk called the power of, uh, looking stupid, um, which was again, very generous of him to let me do that. And my whole, the whole line that I repeat over and over again, it's like the power of looking stupid is that when you're willing to take the risk, you release other people to do the same. When you're willing to look stupid, it releases other people to do the same. Um, and that it's like, you know, that whole idea of showing up and setting that positive example for others to take risks. That's, that's it. You show up to your hotel room, you sit up pillow forts, you tell everyone about it, you celebrate it. It's like, you guys, we can do anything in any situation, uh, with just a little bit of ingenuity. Um, some people might say I'm not professional, but I say, forget those people. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> I, I'm like I'm like so lost in all of this because I'm just I it's brilliant it's and it's so good for me to remember and also for others to hear. Um, I think that these origin stories um, are they're just so important because in this 
age of all this curation, um, we often don't see the beginnings. and we, Or mm. if we do, we see a version of the beginning. And now, of course, there's a flip side to that that we're not even going to get into here because it's like a whole other conversation. But we're also starting to see curated failure. And we're starting to see curated imperfection, like mm. on purpose. Like, I want to show you my imperfection in a way that allows you to digest it differently, right? And so it's not actually the imperfection anymore. Now it's like, look how cool and amazing I am in my imperfection, right? Yeah. And um, so there's a lot to unload there. But um, these origin stories, they are so valuable because in your work and in my work, I know I can speak for you because I, I again, I just know that there's so many places where there's um, convergence or where we intersect in our messages and in our missions. Um, it's, it's the hero's journey, but it's not even about my hero's journey or your hero's journey. It's about helping others feel empowered in their own hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And so as we share these origin stories, um, and me, you know, with the the self-deprecation in the pillow fort and that, you know, those things, like all of that is in, in an effort to say, hey, wherever you are, you can do this thing too. Mm-hmm. And so in this moment, here is the loop back all the way. And in closing, this is this is where we are. You, you broke your Achilles tendon. Yeah. You go to work. Yes. Uh-huh. And like, tell me what happened when you get to work and you talk to your boss. I say, I'm having a hard time re-engaging with my work. And he's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. And then he says, yes, you do, but you're too chicken to do it. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, that was the brilliant thing. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to pursue uh, comedy and performing uh, full time. I hadn't yet given my full effort. Like I had toured full time doing improv, and I'd had an agent before to do you know TV acting. I had done all the things, but I had never put my whole heart into it. And until I did that, I knew that I would never be fully satisfied. And so, and he knew that about me. Why? Because he was intuitive and he cared about me. And so he released me. I know it sounds like he fired me, but no, he let me, he let me, (laughs) he let me go. He he let me fly, you know, and he promised me a job should I want to return, which was really nice of him. And, uh, and that's, and that was the beginning. And the thing is what overlapped there is that, was that, uh, Lee listening to Richie talk for the first time. Um, and just the whole idea of like when I'm 80, um, so that the that's where we started. Like the what if and the Nortons and Shirley and my injury and my pursuit of my career, it all happened at the same time. Oh, so God. which maybe you didn't know that, but that's I didn't know because that wasn't part of my TED talk because there's I only, <laughs> ha- I only had twenty minutes. <laughs> so, um, so you couldn't shout me out. Thanks. Like, yeah, no problem. No problem. So but <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll fix that. We'll fix that. No, I but, love, but you guys I get love, you do. You've been shouted out many times in in little little. We've had we've had our fair share of shout outs. Banquet, banquet rooms <laughs> in Chilliwack, <laughs> where I am. I love um, what you like that that reference you made to to Richie's whole idea of will I regret it when I'm eighty and mm-hmm. and saying you know if I'm looking back. Where will I regret not having taken risks? Where will I regret not having shown up or gone going or not having gone all in? And there's such there's such power in the reality that if I show up and fail, I'm still less likely to regret that than yeah. I am for not showing up at all. Yeah. Right? 
and uh, and that 100%. is so liberating and empowering. And um, I think that you have been such a, a great example of that. Um, not just because you're failing all the time. <laughs> oh, but I am. But, That's the thing, right? Like I'm failing well, constantly. Those percentages that you shared in that TED Talk are <laughs> baffling to me. Like that yeah, just well, seems really hard. They're, they're Share terrible. that with us. Yeah, well, I'm going out for auditions, right? So I'm a I'm a film and TV actor, although I've never booked a film. But I I've been in a bunch of commercials. My commercials are on TV channels everywhere. Um, but I've you know I've booked a dozen maybe over the last few years, and I've gone out for you know uh, over a hundred, right? So it's yeah. that that percentage is which low, that's actually a high like, percentage compared to what they say is statistically the average, right? Well, the numbers might be off. I'm just spitballing here. So I don't yeah, want to take too much credit so. for being an above yeah. average person. But and then but then I also just made the decision recently that I no longer want to go out for commercials because I don't want to support wow. other people's products. Uh, yeah. And I want to really go full on, like this is just a new decision to go full on into just TV and film acting. And so I'm just auditioning for shows, and which is super exciting. But then it's like, you know, now I'm putting in even more effort into these short auditions, you know, for a couple lines here, a couple lines there. Sometimes it's a guest starring role and I'm constantly not booking. But it's like, yeah. it's again, it's not about whether or not I get it. It's about whether or not I've done my best so that the casting directors have an option to share with their with the producers and their clients. So I do my best job so that they have the best options possible so that everyone wins in the end. You know, I might not get it, but I'm going to get invited back over and over and over again. So, um, so that's the, that's the point. You do your you do your best and you take your risks so that you're always closer. You're always closer to the next opportunity. And uh, so, yeah, it's why I, I, I it's why I try. It's why I keep showing up and trying because because um, you never know what the next the next one will be. You know, and so, yeah. and that's even with like I'm emceeing, I'm speaking, I'm I'm telling jokes, I'm doing improv shows, I'm auctioneering. Um, <laughs> so all these things, all these things, I keep I'm I'm doing those things, and I'm working, doing what I love to do, because I've been putting an effort into it for as long as I can remember, and uh, and it wasn't always successful, but now I'm at a place where it's like, no, I'm good at this, I'm really good at this. And uh, it doesn't mean I stop working. It just means I have further now. I can push myself. So good, Cliff. So good. The final question that I have for you is, let's say that you are where you are right now and you have the opportunity to go back, you know, 10 years ago. To who you were mm-hmm. then, what advice would you give yourself about life? Because a lot of the people who listen to the show are on the precipice of, of leaning in and showing up in new ways in their own lives. And I think that maybe the best advice for all of us is the advice we would have given ourselves in the same situation. Man, you know what the first thing that comes to my head, I'm, uh, I'm going to get emotional. Um, <laughs> um, the first thing I, I would I would say to myself is the same thing I'm continually reminding myself now, still today, is I'm loved. You know, I'm loved. You're you're good. You have what it takes. Um, yeah, that's it. The the place where you, even though I'm 42 years old now, the the, the, the same things I struggle with now as a 42 year old are the things I struggled with as an 11 year old who was watching his parents 
separate and get divorced um, is the, am I loved? Do I fit? Am I good enough? All those things. And so that's my, it's still, it's still the thing that I continue to remind myself. I can go up on stage. I can leave the house. I can parent my kids. I can do all those things because I know I'm loved and good enough. And when I'm feeling down, those are the areas. Those are the target areas always of, of weakness and insecurity are all right there in the core. And uh, that's the constant, the thing I'm continually uh, reminding myself, uh, you know, so then when you do get a negative review <laughs> to go back there, it's like, then you got to weigh through all the truths. It's like, what in here is true? What, it, what in here is, is not true? And, uh, and then you, and it was actually such a positive thing because I was able to go through all the affirmations and remind myself who I was and what I do and why I'm good at what I do. And, uh, and then continue to push myself to be better knowing that I'm loved. Gosh, mic drop. Don't really drop it because it's probably super expensive, but. Well, it's in a super attached to a lot of things. So. Yeah, don't drop it. Don't I would drop have to anything. really, I'd really have to work to drop it. Yeah. Yeah. Not worth yeah. the effort at all. Um, no. Cliff, thank you for being here. Um, Natalie, it was cool to hang out with you. Thank you for, really for talking to me. You've, uh, you and Richie and, and your kids, they're, you're all setting a great example. You've, uh, you've inspired and affirmed and, uh, yeah, love it. Well, Thank you for sharing yourself you with guys. the rest of us. Come visit soon. I'd love to have you uh -huh. guys out here in Hawaii. Okay. Yes, Hawaii. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. See you soon. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of the Show Up podcast. You can find today's guest, Cliff Prang, online at cliffpraying.com or on social media at cliffpraying. Now, there are two things that I really want to make sure that you do not miss from Cliff. Okay, first, make sure, like 100% for sure, not to miss Cliff's seriously phenomenal, like honestly, truly cross my heart, phenomenal TEDx talk. It's called F-bombs. And we'll be sure to share the direct link to that 20 minutes of amazing F-bomb free magic in the show notes from this episode. Also, in the show notes from this episode, number two, do not miss Cliff's hilarious stand-up comedy special entitled Dad Body of Work. The direct link to download that comedy special will be in the show notes as well. So yes, all the links to all the magic that is my friend Cliff Prang will be in the show notes for this episode as well as drum roll please on the new show up website. What? Yes, you guys, let's show up.com is now live. Ah! It's a work in progress, but as of this very moment in time, it is in fact a functional piece of the World Wide Web. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, you guys get yourselves over there and check it out. Again, that's letsshowup.com. Thank you again and again to Cliff for being a guest here on the show. And as always to each and every one of you, thank you for being here. I love you. I believe in you. Now go make it a great you make day. Me feel like I'm Natalie Norton. You have been listening to the Show Up listen, Podcast. I know you. Until next time, my beautiful friend, keep showing up, keep that heart wide open, and as always, remember, your best 
is always enough. I'll always want you around.